Hello. So we're going to talk about behaviors, misbehaviors, and redirects. And as a silly start, current posts these days with this COVID-19 that we're all grappling with, um, you, have you been reading about the murder hornets? And a friend of mine posted a hashtag, and I'm going to share it because it's relevant to behaviors and redirects. The hashtag is, with all the murder hornet stuff that's coming around, plus COVID-19, the hashtag is, how much toilet paper should I hoard? <laughs> and I don't know if you've been shopping lately, but we're finally getting toilet paper back on the shelves. And no one can quite understand why everybody was hoarding toilet paper. So, a strange sign of the times. All right, back to business here. So, let's talk about... So, this first slide here has some links, and I will post them in the notes. Um... Uh, that will help you do a simulation of what um, sensory integration overwhelm feels like. And another link to a self-control, um, self-regulation. And then one in general idea about anxiety. So um, that's the main thing about this slide, just to, to share with you. And, and as an introduction is that, so why does this stuff happen? All right. So is it psychology? Is it um, medical? Is it um, psychological? Well, I said that. Is it physical? Is it sensory? Is it... Um, and the answer is yes. Yes to everything. <laughs> is it bad choices? Yes. Okay. So why might bad behaviors exist? Now, not an inclusive list, but some ideas. All right. So certainly, if someone wished to ex escape... Right? It could be as silly as a kid in the shopping cart as you're checking out groceries and they are going to start to do something to get your eye off the ball um, or they want to escape from the front row in the classroom or um, the uh, who knows a thousand reasons why people want to avoid. So escaping, avoiding. If you're a Monty Python fan, <laughs> there's an ancient skit they did on, on laying down and avoiding. Um, I'll let you look it up on Google. All right, moving on. Uh, if there were sensory integration issues, right? And we've been talking about that before. Um, the dendrites are not delivering messages in synchronization, so nothing's fitting and you feel um, not comfortable in your own skin, um, very uncomfortable in your own skin. What if you were attention-seeking, right? Um, so that could be one of the reasons to get attention or to elude it, although that actually fits more with number one. If we had a lack of self-regulation, and that's the reason I have the frogs there. So uh, metacognition, meta-me, cognition, I'm thinking. So I'm thinking about my thinking. And we like to call that emotional self-regulation, self-control. If we were, we were getting soft about it, we could say mindfulness. Um, when I talk to my kid, I say, why are you stemming? <laughs> Number one, do you realize that you are? So I will say, um, John, do you know, do you realize you're stemming? <laughs> John, do you realize you have your hand in your pants? <laughs> do, do you know that you're doing it? Okay, let's raise your self-awareness. All right, now, why are you doing that? All right, so let's say that there are lack of all kinds of reasons why. Um, 
Maybe another reason is I didn't get what I wanted, so baby, oh baby, here comes a hissy fit. And that's what I label there, tangible. I have some tangible, concrete, purposeful reason that I'm just going to let it rip right here in front of you. Um, And I really don't care the long-term or the unintended consequences. Or another idea, negative emotions. If there's anger, fear, embarrassment, um, shame, Um, just because I feel terrible about it. So we're going to share that feeling deep and wide (laughs) or a purposeful decision. All right. So I am purposefully manipulatively entering into a decision-making process here to do make a bad choice because I intend to either get rid of something or to get something. So really more Machiavellian here, right? More, um, uh, I already said manipulative. I'm going to try to get what I want. And uh, my, it's, it's a, absolutely a purposeful decision, maybe medical, all right? So if someone's feeling really bad, uh, it could be due to their diet. It could be to, uh, due to uh, toxins that they're absorbing. Um, so their body, their body is ripe with toxicities. Their methylation, their detoxing of the body is not working. If you're studying um, the, the fasting, they call that autophagy which is a way that we try to regain, re-trigger, re-kick in, re-reboot our body's um, uh, uh, dumping of little bits of cellular debris from the cell replication process. Um, Not getting good sleep, uh, that'll bum up your body cleaning out your garbage in your veins and in your dendrites. Um, or I have a horrible headache. I've got an earache. I've got a stomach ache. I'm about ready to barf on you, mom. So I'm letting you know I'm feeling really bad here. I got a migraine. Um, seizures, right? I do not make light of seizures. I have only seen them. I don't live with them. Um, but that's a very purposeful thing. Uh, I mean, it's a very serious thing. I don't mean purposeful. It's, it's involuntary. No one chooses to have a seizure. Okay. So, Anyway, it's a little note down at the bottom here. It says that uh, over and over with my kiddo, um, I'm trying to get him to realize his own bad choice. Now, again, this is not medical reason. This is not a seizure that he's having. This is more of the lack of impulse control, perhaps the attention um, maybe to escape, um, a negative emotion, frustration, right? Uh, he's, he's doing a better job these days of catching himself before he actually hits me. <laughs> So we're sitting there at the table trying to do all this online school stuff and, oh man, the math just kills him. So we're trying to substitute uh, some of the math, the higher purpose, the best highly credentialed um, math applications, apps, instead of, oh dear God, those worksheets, because he just hates that, hates that carrying number system. He's got a, he's got dyscalculia. So math is just no happy pancake for him at all. Um, So anyway, um, and when he gets mad, we try to I try to raise his awareness. We'll try again. I'm sorry, Mom. Can we try again? Can we try again? And usually, oh, John, come on. You're not picking hard way, are you? So um, again, back to humor. Try to help him. I try to help him raise his awareness. And maybe this is something that you do with someone else in your home or your work team. But first of all, before we just uh, blast them, do they realize what they're doing? Do I realize what I'm doing that makes everybody else go crazy around me? So am I my own worst enemy in this? So more than once, I've caught myself about to make a judgment and jump all over him in the wrong kind of way. And then I realize, wait a minute, you haven't asked any questions, mom. 
you just better fix that right now. <laughs> you better give them the benefit of the doubt. You better ask a few questions before you just jump in with an assumption. Okay, moving on. I made a slide called Forces to Understand. It's not the list to end all lists, but um, it's some good ones to start with. So absolutely, we've talked about motivation here before, right? So extrinsic is the bribery, the Skittles, the cookies, the, the rays, the carrots, the um, uh, anything that comes from the outside, right? All different, lovely, pretty, not pretty forms of bribery. Intrinsic, ah, that's when people do it because they choose to from the inside out, the character, what they would do if no one was looking. They would want to do well on their homework. They would want to make the report the best, no typos. They would want to perform at their peak because of how they feel about themselves, how their self-esteem fits in um, to just their mental well-being. Okay, so let's move on to the one that says power struggle. Okay, and usually what I try to do there <laughs> is not lose to my child and not necessarily renegotiate, I might redirect him. Um, in a business situation and a power struggle comes about, I've heard them say, I've, heard, I've read this that says that some of the very best negotiators are the ones that will uh, give way um, and compromise. So without going into a long dissertation here on the powers of compromise and all of the social EQ stuff that goes into business negotiations, let's just say short and sweet, this is more like family friendship kind of things. And that instead of a long renegotiation, uh, instead better to do a humorous redirect or a gentle explanation of your personal boundaries and then um, de-escalate. That's what I sure try to do all the time. Because what I'm not interested in is the mask of compliance. So let's say that underneath it, someone is just boiling mad and they're going to put on a happy face to shut me up. But then how can I really trust that change of behavior? So we're just, you know, we're just Mount Vesuvius waiting to blow. We'll talk more about um, um, some of the reactions soon. But you've got to watch that you know, compliance, um, that's basic codependency right there. You know, they'll, but it's not a true choice of the heart. All right. It's not a true choice of, um, I I'm doing this because I believe in it. No, no, no. Instead they're doing it just to shut you up. Um, and it's, you can't rely on it. All right. So, um, other forces to understand is, yeah, we've got environmental things. I mean, we're all struggling with the COVID-19 right now, right? And the hygiene and washing your hands and wearing masks or not. Um, dietary, uh, can we trust the food we're eating? Are we eating um, healthy food? Do, do our bodies assimilate it? It gets through the biofilm. Do we um, have holes in our gut? Are we able to work through the cognitive fog of gluten in our system? Does my child methylate? Um, how is my child managing their genetic metabolism? And how does the genes fit together with broken genes or not broken? Um, a, um, a predilection toward uh, something that, you know, the body's working or not working in the dietary function? Are they pulling nutrition out of the food they eat? Or are we just shoving it through in one end and out the other? Are all those vitamins he taken that he's taking, are we just coloring the urine bright yellow? Or is actually some benefit from all of that? So biomedical stuff. 
Now, the reason I have the toilet there, for any of you that are struggling, and I'm sure in the adult world, it may not, in, let's say in the business adult world, <laughs> you probably aren't um, wrestling with toilet issues, but um, uh, we've had that, and it's when, when mom finally realized that uh, it's got to be the kid decision. So let's say that toilet represents almost anything that you're struggling with, and we just have to back off on what we're trying to make somebody do, because we're not going to make anybody do anything they don't want to do. They'll do it when they're ready. And in childhood development, they'll get to it when their body's ready, when their um, the de developmental delay has caught up, when they're choosing to, when they're appropriately motivated to. And anything short of that goes back to bribery, extrinsic motivation, and it's only going to last as long as the bribery holds up. So, all right, on that happy thought, um, let's move on to all by myself. I want to show independence, so be it a team at work, be it your kid at home, uh, just allow for the extra time and then a little bit of oversight, right? So in case we have to, you know, if that's... So in the case of school, if my kid is going to do it and it's not going to look pretty because, uh, but he wants to do it by himself. Mom, leave me alone, mom. I'm going to, we will practice on nice language. So if he's saying it in a really ugly way, then I won't let that be acceptable. I will help him say out loud, mom, I would like privacy, please. If he picks up his papers and runs outside and gets mad, um, then we'll have to revert to humor. Um, he might actually go out there. I think I told y'all that he went out and plank, started planking, planking on his own in the grass. <laughs> And I saw him, and so I went to take a picture through the glass, tapped on the, the, the pane of the glass. He looked over. He started laughing, because he knows I take pictures of everything for work here. And it turned into a humorous redirect, so that was good. Um, but we, we do want to encourage our, our young people to be independent, so it won't look pretty. You're going to have to give up perfection there. All you supervisors, you're going to have to fade your prompt and you want them to be independent. You want them to do it by themselves. And if it looks like they dressed themselves, then fine. If it looks like they snuck into your makeup drawer and dressed themselves, you know, up on the face and looks like Halloween, <laughs> it's got to be okay. All right. So fear, right? Fear is definitely a force to understand. Uh, fear will redirect toward all kinds of things. And in fact, if you have any kind of oppositional situation going on, you f look underneath each of those layers of the onion and you're going to get down to the bottom kernel, uh, K-E-R-N-E-L, of, of discontent, of trouble, and you're going to find that it's fear. Fear motivates everything. Fear is at the bottom of everything. Fear and shame. So anyway, now we're back here tr trying to force someone to my own rules. Am I going to try to win the battle? I'm going to win the battle, but I'm going to lose the battle. I'm going to lose the war. I'm going to try to make somebody do something they don't want to do. They're, I'm going to hack them off. They're going to rebel. I have to just let go of things. So it's how they say in classic management, don't tell somebody how to do it. Don't micromanage. Tell them what the outcome that you need is. Then shut up, back off, let them figure it out. We did something like that with kids and trying to fix something around the, the swimming pool today. And I did not get up I, until I absolutely had to. I didn't even give them any suggestions until I absolutely had to. Because my kid is very quick to yell for, you know, help. And I'm not gonna. I'm just going to play dumb. I'm going to play not there. I'm going to play not available. And force them to, to figure it out. 
Okay, let's move on. So positive behavior. Let's talk about positive behavior for a bit. So you all have seen this movie, right? Inside Out. Fantastic movie. Make sure you sit down and watch it with your kids. So there's the four main characters, not counting Riley, right? So you have fear, you have anger, you have uh, sorrow, sadness, and then joy. So if you can remember this movie, there's many times when they would work together or play off of each other. I like to ask this question. So who is the hero of the movie Inside Out? And with a little bit of thought, they say, oh, it's sadness. And that's who I think the hero, the heroine of sad of uh, Inside Out is. Because you remember at the end when they realize it's the empathy that brings that brings the solutions and then they start working together and um, it's not just the happy, slappy stuff of joy. It's the sadness. It's the um, the empathy, the the purpose, purposefulness of working together. So that's who I that's who I vote for. Great movie. Go back and watch it again. Turn captions on, and when they bring up all these, um, oh, they they do such a beautiful job of explaining the mind, giving analogies, giving concrete analogies, so you can talk with your kids and do the whole bing bong thing in the abstract and and where memories go, uh, long term memory, uh, forgotten memories. Superb movie. All right, so now we're looking at uh, the bottom right hand. Uh, Left-hand corner, Abraham Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And that kind of helps explain some behaviors. So you've heard this before, right? This thing's famous. So first layer, we've got the just the basic uh, uh, survival, food, water. Um, then once they aren't starving or dying of thirst, then now they can start to move up. Oh, shelter. Okay. And then pretty soon, oh, I need a team. Great. So until all of a sudden, oop, I'm back to being thirsty again. So boop. You, you come back down to the bottom layer and then you work yourself self up. Now we're working on self-esteem issues and then ultimately the self-actualization, being all you can be, right? Um, so, uh, so absolutely, uh, that's uh, feeling so very proud of yourself, um, how you help lead. But then you, but keep in mind that no matter who you are, no matter your age, we are moving up and down the this hierarchy all day long. And back to being hungry again and going to the bathroom, right? If you really have to go to the bathroom, can you think about anything else? <laughs> so Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's very useful in explaining things. Uh, a link here to, and I'll put this in the notes, to um, an article that was in um, uh, the New York Times. Mindfulness, social emotional learning in elementary school. Schools are teaching more and more about that now, right? Um, more yoga in PE, more recess, helping kids not just uh, uh, be, they're trying to help kids be appropriate in what they're um, uh, able, their brain's ready to work on. So it's um, educationally appropriate. We're trying to cram too much at kids too young of an age. Their, their minds are not ready for it. Their wiring isn't ready for it. And their joint attention capacity, their uh, midline crossover, their sensory integrations, not ready for it. Their neural wiring isn't ready for it, right? Because the, some of these kids are facing really important adult decisions when their frontal lobe is not fully developed and they don't have that moral compass ready and exposed to too many things and they kind of it's uh, make too light of stuff. So it's, um, anyway, okay, let's move on. We're... 
I don't want to put you to sleep. So let's look at the slide that's got the redirects, the positive behavior, uh, and then uh, TBRI. So uh, trauma-based, um, uh, trauma-informed care is really important. Trust-based relational intervention is really important. Bottom line to that, I'll give you the one-sentence book report to TBRI. What is the need behind the behavior? So if anything is happening with anybody in your periphery, before you jump, before you judge, before you castigate them, find out what their need is. It's really a pretty simple concept, but we overlook it because we're all in such a big hurry, all right? And when we say trauma-informed, I've been to as many trauma um, classes and workshops as I can for personal reasons. Um, we are now understanding that trauma is stored in the body at the cellular level. Um, we understand that we need to um, help uh, our, let's say that if you can help them with um, novice or um, non-professional help within two months, that's the, a good litmus test. If the, the, the person is still dealing with trauma, the problem is too big, their grief is too big, and it's still plaguing them after two months have elapsed, then it's time to get professional help. That's, that was a, the, the measurement that came out with Hurricane Harvey, as uh, all the teachers and the, the people in, that were trying to help were working with the kids, that if it was longer, if the trauma, if the fear, if the nightmares, the night frights, the, any, the, 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 the negative consequences, the negative feelings, the negative thoughts, the negative behaviors lasted more than two months, then it was time to call in some professionals. And, and until that time, then the short version of the story is you validate the child, you listen to them, just shut up if they're talking and, and don't try to tell them how to think, don't tell them, try to tell them how to feel. The whole idea of language-based um, uh, analysis is that they, they pull it out of their brain where it's just all jumbled and crammed in there. They get a chance to verbally work through it, talk it out, get it out in the sunshine, out on the table, when they, as they talk through it and they get it more, they get a chance to then file it back in a more logical, um, less chaotic um, filing system, then that's where you can help. Be the ear, validate them, confirm their feelings, help them toward resilience by being a good listener. Don't give them advice. Don't tell them, oh, you oughta, shoulda, coulda, woulda stuff. None of that. Okay. Short version of the story. So positive behavior intervention, that's basically what we've all been trying to do with our kids. <laughs> um, with developmental delay and bad choices, and I mean, my kid was diagnosed autism spectrum um, by the ear, nose, and throat, doc at uh, age two, and sensory averse. So I didn't see all of this stuff happening. Uh, in hindsight, now I can go back and see the indicators, but you know, you don't know anything at the time. It's your, if it's your first child or it's your third child, but you just don't, you don't think it's going to be you until you have some professional tell you, hey, you know what? Your kid's not keeping up with peers. And so that's what I tell the, the all of the preschool teachers and the administrators is that if, if it's too difficult a political conversation to have with parents, that if you are not, you as a, as a professional educator or whatever your job is, if you're not legally, morally entitled to be dispensing um, diagnoses, then uh, at the bare minimum, you can say to the parents, 
hey, here, I went to this workshop and this lady was talking on and on about developmental delay and keeping up with peers and and and, and a lot of other things with um, methylation in the body and behaviors. So I tell them that they can come and check out the websites. We'll talk. We'll but but use the litmus test that if your child is keeping up with peers. Great. If they're not keeping up with peers, then maybe it's time for intervention. There's a lot of people that can help, and sometimes parents are not ready to hear this yet. Personally, I didn't waste any of my son's life uh, on denial. You know, um, it was just like jump in with my hair on fire. And sometimes it's the uh, grandparents, sometimes it's the neighbors or one spouse. And this is not meant to fracture any families. This is. It's not about the diagnosis. I've said this before. It's about the intervention, all right? Because it's just a label. Don't get caught up in a label. What can we do about it? Because underneath that label is a human, a child, a wonderful person with purpose. And regardless of the label, they have will and they have um, intrinsic motivation and they have neural pathways that are plastic and they have um, a, a willingness to to exercise what they want for their life. So um, don't get caught up in a diagnosis. It's not the end of the tunnel. It's not the end. You're not going to die just because somebody puts a label of, of something on your child. Fight back. Don't listen to that part, okay? Remember that half a heart stuff? That you do everything that you can, everything that you have, everything that you are, everything that you think, and you do you take half of that and you put, put that energy into helping your child in, with interventions. And then you take the other half of everything that there is and you love that person just as they are. That goes back to helping them build resilience, helping them recover from trauma, is that they are enough, they are loved, they are a good person, they've... So, okay, let's move on to fight. So what we have here, remember the old fight, fright, flight? Well, they've actually added a few more to the model. So let's look at fight. That's anger, right? <laughs> Inside out. Great one. Uh, do you remember in the movie, toward the end, the bus driver, that all of, all of his emotions are variations of, of anger? <laughs> um, great movie. Okay. So then we have Mr. Scaredy Pants, right? Fear. And then we have flight. So that's where the adrenaline is kicked in and we're escaping. We are so sensory averse that we are on the run. Uh, maybe your child is an eloper. Um, John f fled once. I don't think he quite realized what he was doing, but he got lost nonetheless. So then we worked on what lost meant, and then we started working on becoming a boomerang. So what you really want to do is take that eloper, that flight, and help them figure out, and it's too short to cram into this podcast tonight, but we can talk further about that, is to take and fly a flight and convert it into a boomerang. Okay, so they'll come, they'll take whatever out, and then they'll stop, they'll pause, they'll regroup, and then they'll come back. So that's fantastic self-regulation, right? Because haven't we all started to do something and then we catch ourselves? So, all right, freeze. So this is what I, how I explain this face. So something happens and people are deciding what they're going to react, right? So you really have no control over what their reactions are going to be. So let's say that there's a team and something happens. And so X certain 10% of the team is going to go into fight mode. 
15% of the team is going to go into fright. You're going to have a certain percentage that are going to want to avoid. So they'll be, um, uh, they'll be like ooching out the, they'll go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's what they'll do. Um, and then you're going to have the people that just kind of sit there and you think, wow, that's awesome. Or the kid that just looks at you and, and you think, well, this is great. You know, we're going to have a calm, you know, discussion here. And then that's, they haven't decided what they're going to do. They're in freeze mode. Okay. And guess what's going to happen as soon as freeze thaws, then you're going to have a behavior that you weren't expecting. And you're going to be lulled into um, being off guard because you're going to think, oh, we're, we're done with the drama here. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, boom, drama, right? And you're going, where did that come from? Well, that's because they were in freeze mode. They hadn't quite decided yet. And then once they decided, all right, now you've got a delayed reaction. Now, fawn is there because um, that's your um, prisoner syndrome, your Stockholm syndrome. That's your um, uh, codependent. That's the um, uh, abused person that stays because it's not a really fun one to talk about. Um, but they do put it in there, so so will I. Okay, let's go on and talk about uh, to the next slide where it says beware of traps. So you know, are we outsmarting ourselves? Um, so, and depending on the age of the person. So if you're dealing with an adult, um, age appropriate should be pretty easy, maybe. Um, depending on how stern and strict. So I don't know what like prison system stuff. I'm I'm not. I don't have experience in that hard hard, hard part of life. Um, the best I've, the worst I've dealt with is just um, pretty rough autism spectrum behaviors at home of a younger child. So I don't know the, the, the prison system, okay? But um, as far as, here's a silly example. So if I'm um, doing the wrong thing, so here's, uh, one day, John is making a poor choice when a uh, friend comes to play. So he gets a timeout. He has to go in the bathroom because that's where he doesn't want to go. So fast forward, new situation. Now we have an occupational therapist that's come to the house. John makes a bad decision. Now, am I going to put him in the bathroom for that timeout? No, because that's where he wants to go. So I cannot take the same intervention and use it, you know, in all situations. Not everything is a, is a nail, and so therefore not all interventions should be the hammer, right? I need to make sure I know what the end result is needed. So in this case, when the OT comes and John makes a bad choice and um, he has to work through it with Rosemary, he doesn't get to run away to the bathroom because that's exactly what he wants, right? So I need to make sure that I'm not rewarding, reinforcing, increasing bad decisions. Uh, and I also want to make sure I don't paint myself into a corner. So if here we're talking about back to kids stuff, um, or it could probably work with your teams or your older children. So let's say that I get upset and I say, oh, well, um, if you don't get your, your homework done or if you don't do whatever it is I want you to do, so then I'm not taking you to, we're not going to go to the movies or I'm not going to take you to the grocery store. Well, we're not going to take you to the restaurant. Well, yeah, but wait a minute. I wanted to eat. So if whatever it is, if I put myself, if I lose what I want, trying to, uh, you know, discipline or redirect a child, now all of a sudden I've made a really bad choice because I'm going to resent and I'm going to be mad. So, and he, and, and the, they want anyway. So I'll have to figure out some other way. And depending on the age and depending on the decision, I've got a slide coming up here pretty soon with some, some examples of that. But 
does the does the decision, the intervention, the redirect help him, help him, her, they, with their motivation from the inside, the intrinsic motivation to improve their own decisions? So my language in that case would be reinforcing how proud they must be of a good choice while I am still trying to water the flowers, not water the weeds. So if I'm throwing around ultimatums, where's the flowers in that? No, man, I'm hosing the weeds like crazy, right? And I'm probably going to say something that I'm going to eat my own words on because they, and then they're not going to believe me because my, what I say, my threats have no substance. So I should just be better prepared at the beginning. Maybe I need to to plan ahead and um, think a little bit or take a a short time out. I do this. I say, you're going to lose something valuable or something. I'll, I'll leave it unnamed, but I'll put a value on it. Like, oh man, you're not going to like hard way. Hard way's going to hurt. Oh, let's do easy way. I love easy way. Can we please start over? So I'll say something like that. He hears it a lot, but it's a good opportunity to maybe help him calm, help him decide, oh yeah, okay, see, let's, uh, I probably won that because mom's, you know, trying to, you know, I'm trying to actually use a not strong-willed child, but love and logic. Well, yeah, I am using strong-willed child. That's really more like, um, a strong-willed child is a little bit more on the softer side. So what's it going to take, John, for you to get your homework done so we can go get some ice cream or we can go eat? How about first this, then that? Now, I'm not trying to fall back into ABA, but, you know, get your, he wants his dessert. I say, awesome. How's your list? Or get, get those vitamins done. Then we can have the ice cream. Now, Love and Logic would say, I'll know you're ready to go get ice cream because your list will be done and you'll be sitting in the car which is a bit harsher. And depending on how stubborn everybody is, it's, um, it's more ultimatum type. I don't find it to be particularly useful with one of my kids and certainly not with the other one. So I really try to avoid that, um, that uh, line in the sand. Um, I'll try to put a little bit of softness in my voice. I'll try to put some humor in my eyes. And I'll just... Uh, I'll go that way, and I find it usually works far better than just the hard, um, uh, hard line in the sand. Okay, not renegotiating. I'm not saying I'm renegotiating. I'm not giving way on a boundary. Um, and we've, like, for example, if he's not going to do his list, but he's going to ch- instead choose my list, and he, and it really comes to that, then that's the way it is for the rest of the night. We, and, and then he wants to, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I want to do my list. I said, oh, great, you can sure do your list tomorrow. But for tonight, this is the deal you chose. We're going to complete the deal. Um, I want him to feel the gravity of his decision. Uh, so I just you plan ahead. That's what I'm saying. Don't paint yourself into a corner. That means if I get angry, then I'm going to say words that I don't mean. And then, oh boy, I've painted myself into a corner. Um, We have some ultimatums, and guess who's going to win that one? All right. And many of us have lost arguments to nonverbal children because who's the adult here, right? And that's why i got to keep my own uh, thermometer on my anger and my frustration back up 
stand aside mom. We're talking about moms, parents, supervisors, the leader, self-regulation and self-control too. It's not just the people we're trying to have dominion over. <laughs> okay, so the last slide, let's talk about some silly humorous redirects. I'm always trying to use humor. Um, and if he, if we, if it goes well, I'm not going to over celebrate. I've been to told and I see from experience, let them celebrate themselves. So I will say, wow, you must be really proud of that decision. How does that feel? Something like that, right? So they're building up their own um, uh, motivation, their own executive functioning, their own ability to make good choices. Um, if I fail in that and it's just nag, 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 prompt, 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 list, 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 then it's, it's been a day of, of no growth. And it's not going to help him when I'm not here anymore. So um, some days like that, I just say, all right, take a break, go get on your bike, just go. <laughs> and we've rehearsed all of that too. And he'll come back in a better frame of mind. Exercise is a great redirect. All right, you see one there with the four kids. They're all being silly at the glass. <laughs> Those are neurotypicals. So you know what? If I ask myself, as I say in that green box there, I ask myself all the time. So are, if they're not keeping up with peers, but then as we work toward interventions, would other kids do what he just did? And if it is, and if it's not too bad, if nobody got hurt as a neurotypical misbehavior, I'll probably be a lot more lenient. So if he does something goofy and other kids would do it, then you know what? That may not be anything to be punished. That may just be something to just kind of all of a sudden look the other way and, and think, oh, I guess my flowers moved. I'm going to water these flowers over here. I thought they were weeds, but you know, really, it's, it's, it's okay because that's what a regular kid would do. So, okay. All right, Taekwondo, let's look at that. Though the one I got the little circles around, you can if you can see his face, that's him facing into a mirror. And so he is very proud of what he's doing. So look at your kid's face. See if 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 they're responding to something on the inside. If you see that maybe it's an old kid. <laughs> maybe it's a 40-year-old kid that's in the cubicle next to you. But if they are showing a sparkle in their eye, if they're showing that they're proud of themselves, a small statement, particularly if they hear you tell someone else. So if they're able to overhear you, congratulate them to a third party. In that case, I would say to someone in my periphery, I'd say, hey man, did you hear what John did? That was just awesome. So letting them overhear uh, that, that, that you think what they did was amazing is one another way that they can reinforce their own ballast on the inside, their neural pathways to, hey, I'm going to do that again because I felt so good about myself. I love the endorphins. I'm not trying to win favor with anybody, but I, I loved how I felt about myself, right? And if our kids can learn how to feel good about themselves, be resilient to when bad things happen, uh, to recover from failure, that's going to help their mental health in every possible direction. Because we're not always going to be there to hold them by the hand. They're going to be out in that hard, cold world sometimes, and they might be alone. And for them to have some, and it's not a, it's not a spine to have, it's instead the resilience that, okay, this is how it felt when I had trouble. This is how I rose to the challenge. And this was the the, the the fear and the worry and the 
all the bad things I had to overcome, but it was worth it. I did it. I was brave at the same time that I was scared. All right. So um, let's see. Let's talk about the dog stuff now. So um, taking, giving them opportunity to, uh, to fail, giving them a longer leash, um, uh, working on something. So let's say it's not walking the dog. Let's say it's some project that you want to have done. Um, today it was trying to prop up a basketball hoop that had gotten broken. And so I'm not going to get up there and, and, and teach it and do it all. I'm not going to hand over hand them. Uh, I'm going to maybe make a suggestion or two, and then I'm going to walk away and see what they come up with. If they don't really care about it, well, then they don't really care. But me jumping in and rescuing everybody all the time, nobody learns from that. So no matter where you are, if someone comes to you and they're trying to get you to rescue them, just develop laryngitis or suddenly um, have something else you got to go do. Whatever it takes so that you don't rescue them. They need to be bored. They need to figure it out on their own. They need to use their creativity. They need to use their collaboration skills. They need to try again and not just give up and cave and cry wolf. Okay. Now, see the kids in the swimming pool? That's at Christmas with a, with a, uh, a little cousin-uncle situation there, cousin-brother. It's cold. I'm not going to get in the water. And I'm thinking, those kids are nuts. But if, if John was in the water by himself, I'd be, you know, worrying about getting a cold or something like that. But there's a neurotypical kid in there, and they're having fun. And who knows what their thermostat and their metabolism is, different than mine. So if it looks loony, but other kids are doing it, it maybe it's mud. Maybe it, who knows what it is, but if they're having fun and they're not hurting anybody, then is it just because I'm mad that I'm not winning? You know, I mean, water's going to dry off. It was a bunch of mud and they're tracking it through the house. Then I would just have them go outside and then figure out how to clean it off out there as a, as an example. So if I'm trying to win all the time, I'm not letting my team grow. I'm not letting my team experiment. And they have to fail before they succeed. In fact, if they never fail, then how are they ever going to learn anything, right? I'm not trying to raise robots. Are you trying to raise a robot, right? You don't want to do that. Okay, so let's, the bottom right-hand corner there, that's actually a, a bunch of kids that are playing basketball. John's standing on the periphery over on the right-hand side looking at us, kind of, uh, you know, on the edge. That's when he gets started on activity, sensory-averse to begin with, a little bit of fear. And he's a spectator until he decides he wants to join in. But at least we're in the room, right? So as you're helping your kids, we can only push so much. And I have definitely learned the hard way, pushing too much. And I've lived to regret that. So how I do it is I'll take him right up to the edge of, oh my goodness. And we'll stand there on the edge of, oh my goodness. And I'll look at him and I'll say, hey, you want to try that? Or I just say nothing, but I'll get him like in the room. I'll get him on the edge. And then it's not my job to do anything further. And if he decides that he wants to stay on the edge, that's okay. If he decides he wants to be in the fray, that's okay. What I don't want is him running away because we're not going to be building any uh, courage that way. We're not going to be building sensory acceptance. We're not going to be building the neural pathways that say, I don't understand this, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try to, to hang in here, figure out what they're doing. I don't, want to, I don't want to run away. There is no future in our kids being allowed to run away. Um, 
running away in in now remember i'm a i'm a very direct parent i've been trained to be very direct um many many kids probably would not want to have me as a parent um but john's come a long long way because i've learned when to push and i've also learned the hard way of when to not so I, I, like i said just right up to the precipice i don't shove him over the precipice not anymore <laughs> And if, he, and if he doesn't jump in the precipice, but he just stands on the edge of the cliff, that's okay. We're there. And when he's ready, when he's ready to put on the paintball suit and go in and play, or if he's ready to join the game, that's fine. Do I care what the other kids think about him right now? No. If he's more comfortable waiting, that's all right. Um, maybe he needs that extra piece to be brave enough to step in. But I'm not going to be hiding. I'm not going to let him run away. So... We're going to finish. If we start something, if we start a season of a sport, we're going to finish it. If we start anything, we're going to finish it. We're not going to run away. We may not excel, but we're not going to quit. I don't know if that helps it, but helps explain it. But anyway, thank you for your time. Um, I, I hope there's some ideas in all of this as far as redirection and why behaviors happen. It's so much psychology. There's some medical stuff in there and neural wiring. And a lot of it is what is the need behind that behavior? So we're back to TBRI and don't jump too fast and ask them what they want. As long as it doesn't destroy the team. <laughs> um, there could easily be something small that's stopping them. And if we can help them figure out why they're afraid, overcome that, go through the worst case scenario, plan, have that plan in their mind so a surprise doesn't catch them off guard. And then they can be brave and step into the fray. Then we're helping them build, become the leader that they envision themselves to be. Okay, thanks for your time. Talk to you soon.